Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Trish, thank mm. you for sending that little picture <laughs> of a dead mouse to me on the WhatsApp. May I just oh. remind you, that's not what the WhatsApp is for. <laughs> but isn't it weird? I was contemplating this. Isn't it weird how Margot, yes. your, your evil cat, my nemesis, mm. that great big furball, was out killing a mouse at the same yes. time as I had a mouse in the house, trouble with a mouse in a house. A moose, a moose loose about the hoose. Yes. So yes. we were trying to find, and um, I was trying to kindly persuade it to leave. Yes. <laughs> you sent me a picture of Margot, who'd savagely and brutally taken yes. a mouse's life. Well, I did. It was. A, I woke up one morning, opened the bedroom door, and there, outside the door, present. was curled up a little present from little fluffy Margot. Mm. And uh, I was quite, um, quite astonished. I think really. it was um, starter starter pack from her. <laughs> so she's saying, "Here's a mouse. Tomorrow it's going to be a fox. Oh, maybe." Then it'll be the Labrador that lives with us. I'd love she can't to see use her trying to drag name. a fox through the cat flat. And that then, then it'll be one of the children, and then mm. it'll be Neil, and then it'll be you. That's the Margot hierarchy <laughs> of pets she will kill. Yes, it yeah. could be could be the way. What I think about she was that telepathic thing between trying me and to, Well, I think she was trying to, because we were talking about it, and I think she was trying to demonstrate her mousing skills and services, should you require. She might want to pay a little visit to your house, I think maybe is what she's saying. Well, she won't leave it, Trish. Not mm-hmm. not breathing. <laughs> Gee, well, I wouldn't do anything to Margot. Hello. Hello. Welcome to Postcards from Midlife. I'm Lorraine Candy. I'm Trish Halpin, and we're on a mission to help you make the most of your magnificent midlife. We'll be tackling everything from mind and body wellness to HRT and your sex drive. Lorraine and I are here to help you have a stylish second act and answer all your midlife questions on fashion, beauty, careers, relationships, family, and as always, the challenges and joys of parenting teens. Hello, 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 and happy 2022. We are back. Your menopausal Morecambe and Wise have returned bright-eyed and bushy-tailed to entertain and inform you for season five of Postcards from Midlife. Trish, season five. Um, Can you believe that? I know. How did we get this far? (laughs) Anyway, here we are, season five of our listeners' favourite podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, I hope they've missed us, the Waffle Makers extraordinaire. Yes, of course they have. Uh, It does feel great to be back together again after our short little festive break and uh, to be starting the new year with all our favourite women. Yes, our listeners, our favourite women. We have a packed season of the podcast lined up, don't we? So we have been away, but we have been beavering away in the background. Um, so which of the episodes are you looking forward to the most, Lorraine? I was going to do a link about beaver there, Trish. But I won't because that's so <laughs> We've had school. foxes, Labradors, mice, beavers. No, well, I'm looking forward, particularly looking forward on season five to our sex mm. special, which is coming up soon because, you know, I've done a lot of research for that. That's <laughs> going to be full of advice. I'm also looking forward to our uh, special trip away at the Body yes. Boot Camp. <laughs> it's boot camp. It's a special episode celebrating friends and staycations. Mm-hmm. And that trip, Trish, is going to be um, like the new series, HBO's and just like oh, that, you know, the yes, sex with, which definitely. I like. I like I like it, I like it. it out there. Yep. Um, but we'll be in the countryside. Um, there'll be no Manolos, though, <laughs> will they for us? But we will have, I predict, meditation and martinis, yes. which is sort of how we roll, isn't it? Moderation. Yes. In all I things. think it's a good combination, though, meditation and martinis. Um, I'm probably better at the moderation, though, than you. <laughs> Yes, everyone's better at moderation (laughs) than me. Um, I'm also looking forward to our Living Well special with the fabulous Liz Earle when we get a midlife nutrition overhaul and also to interviewing today's rather fantastic guest. Come on, Trish, you you can have the joy of explaining to listeners who we have on the show today. 
where do you even start? I think we need a drum roll. It's Ruby Wax, who um, she probably really doesn't need an introduction for the women of Generation X, but she's had rather a spectacular and exciting midlife reinvention, which she is going to tell us all about today. Um, And I know this idea of a second act in life is especially popular with midlife women. So I think it's going to be fascinating. I'm going to start very early on in the show (laughs) with the name dropping. Yes, of course. (laughs) Go for it. So I can't wait to... Uh, interview Ruby but of course I have met Ruby yes of course Ruby you have. I did have an accidental dinner with Ruby Wax okay, at right. the Savoy in London because oh, I went to goodness. see her with um lovely Kathy Lett who's mm. a friend of mine who was on the show she was really rather fabulous talking about her new boyfriend who she met in the park playing guitar in her 60s anyway we were we watched Ruby and then Ruby came out and said have dinner with me Oh, I say, VIP. Well, I think couldn't get a word in edgeways, obviously, Ruby and Kathleen, for God's sake. (laughs) But she's this just kind of amazing force of nature, and I really hope we can absorb some of that amazing energy today. I I know, I'm I'm, I'm all for the energy down the Zoom line, but I think we should probably just have a little catch-up, shouldn't we, on what has happened since we last met on the podcast. Um, I think I need a a quick round-up of life at Candy Towers, the home for badly behaved Terry and tempestuous teenagers <laughs> well, aka the candy family so tell me what's been happening well i've got a short recap on shenanigans mm. after mm. i survived brave lorraine survived covid mm. anyway i've written thirty thousand words of book number two which Amazing. sounds really impressive doesn't it? it's not that good actually because i've got quite a lot more to go over the next few months uh, but i am getting there um, mm-hmm. and our lovely facebook group have been helping me actually I've read 40 books. I mean, over the, I a know. lot of words going on, yes. in and out. Words I mean, going in, words going out. Some you. dipping in, some dipping in to, to them. Um, this is part of my um, role as a judge of the Women's Prize for Fiction, mm-hmm. which we are going to announce a long list in February. I just can't wait to tell you about it because I've read some really amazing books and I think it will be brilliant for our listeners and um, mm-hmm. we can go through those. We've celebrated my second daughter's 18th birthday, Aww. which was happy, sad. Mm-hmm. Uh, my eldest has gone back to Bath University, mm-hmm. which is happy, sad. Um, I do now realise that my 18-year-old will leave home this year in September yes. for uni. Yeah. Unless I can Velcro her to her bedroom <laughs> wall. I am planning. So there won't be six of us here. There will be four of us. I know there's lots of people in that uh, situation. So that's a bit sad. On a practical front, Trish, I've been testing a shampoo bar, soap bar. Oh, okay. Well, I did that before. Do you remember? Way, way back in series one. Did not remember it very well. Can't remember that. It was brilliant. No, I loved it. Really? Yeah, no, okay. I loved it. It okay. was against. Uh, I didn't think it would work. I've yeah. gone a bit eco in the kitchen. Yes, and I found a, found out some culinary stuff that you need to know about, Trish. What, this what, is my contribution to your Go recipes. Go on then. You can put a Rolo <laughs> and puff pastry. <laughs> you can cook it, and it makes a nice little treat. Well, I suppose a bit like a little pan au chocolat. Don't know what you're saying. But I knew it wouldn't be long before you got into not, speaking French yes, fairly not early. Not like a deep fried Mars bar, but like it's a new chocolate. Zone, I can tell you. Okay, okay. Um, and also, something else I think that you have had mm. and that we will talk about actually with an expert on the show is I've just got rosacea on my <gasps> skin, which I've never had before. Okay. Um, so I've been testing things for that. I had to get a prescription, but I think we'll go okay. into that in a later episode because okay. I know it seems quite common. Um, well, I'm going to ask you, because maybe yes. this isn't the right time, but I noticed you were quite pink of cheek when you had your little COVID episode. Do oh. you think that could have triggered what? it? It might Seriously. be. Yeah, I didn't want to say anything, some... but it, that yeah. is when I noticed it. So maybe we'll do some investigating. Good. We'll come back Good. on the rosacea. Now, talking we? of the pandemic and the COVID, mm. I've been uh, drifting off in a sort of fantasy around COVID, something that it brought to me an idea that I might want to have. Mm. Um, I quite liked being locked in a bedroom. nicely. <laughs> on your own. Yes. On my own. And I was thinking, wouldn't it be lovely if you had a had your own bedroom at this yes. stage in life? Or is that a terrible thing to say when one's been married for 4,000 wow. years? I, I mean, I, I like to have my own mean. bedroom. I know what you mean. It's the room of one's own thing, isn't yes. it? Yes. That uh, Virginia Woolf wrote about. I just don't think the husbands would like it very much. They might get a bit no. cross, okay. you know. Yeah. But we'll, well, that's where we'll I see. am. We'll see the if there's a way to make it happen. <laughs> I'm at the beginning of 2022 with a book to write, yeah. quite a lot more books to read. 
and a big departure to contemplate. Yes. Now, tell me, though, what has been happening between you and young Neil, oh, the pilot, yes. as I like to call your husband, um, since we last broadcast to the nation? Well, what's been going on? Meanwhile, meanwhile, at Halpin Hall, as I like to tell my Wandsworth <laughs> terraced house, um, well, we had a super fun Christmas with friends, our first big Friendsmas, which was brilliant. Do you know I was moaning about Neil's shotgun cartridge festive lights? Well, they actually ended up being the centrepiece of our Did Christmas they? table. Because <laughs> they oh, look really good. They were sort of red and green and all glowy. And uh, <laughs> yeah, quite funny. I'll send you, I have got a picture of it. So I will send that. Maybe I'll post it on the Facebook group for anybody Thank who's you. thinking, what on earth is she talking about? But then um, COVID struck. And obviously, I know if, you were very, very brave, Lorraine, with your so COVID. Brave. You were very brave. Well, I just sort of quietly got on with it, really. <laughs> And well, I was on a, Instagram every 10 minutes. Yeah, you were. I just sort of, I did have, that was the the, the, the first time I'd had a, a bedroom to myself for a very, very long time. And it was, it was very nice, actually. Quite nice, isn't it? Yes. Only, you know, from, from that point of view. But I have to say, you know, if kids really feel about you. Oh, because yes. Because I literally was treated like I had the plague. Yeah. I literally. I know that. Like, Mum, you can't go. You can't go in the kitchen. You got. I was like, oh, okay, all right. And then I might get the occasional. Can I get anything for you? Like shouted from the hall, which was quite. I sweet, had to wear but... rubber gloves if I came out <laughs> of the thing and not touch anything. Them got it is all I can say. No. So, um, but Margot was very attentive. We obviously did a lot of bonding while I was having. She Maya. was waiting for you to pass on to the other <laughs> to drag side. me out into the hall. Report um, back to the yeah, other. But cat. I did. It just meant that I was forced into sort of relaxing, watching lots of films and TV. Very hard to find anything without Olivia Coleman in it, might I yeah. say? Which. Um, <laughs> But very good. And I have to say, I think one of the favourite things I watched was um, The Lost Daughter, which she was really? directed oh, by Maggie Gyllenhaal. I know it's sort of had a bit of, well, actually generally good, but some mixed yeah. reviews. Yeah. Um, but I, I absolutely loved it. Although I think um, Jessie Buckley I loved as well. But that was a cruel reminder for me because do you remember I was going about my, I'm going to see Cabaret with Eddie Redmayne and Jessie Buckley. You were Jessica excited. Bobbers. It was cancelled. <laughs> It was a COVID cancellation, but it does mean that I now have something to look forward to later in the spring when I I am going again. And with my positive psychology hat on, I'm seeing the positive side of that because we're going to be talking all things positive. And your smile, your frown upside down. (laughs) I'm telling my... In How to Win at Midlife, after our oh, yeah. interview with Ruby, we're going to sh- be sharing some of the things that are getting us set for a happy 2022. We are. So, Trish, shall we get on with the show that reaches the midlife parts other podcasts ignore? Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This week's very special guest and the perfect woman to kick off 2022 in all the right ways is the best-selling author and comedian Ruby Wax. When Ruby burst onto our TV screens in the 90s, her celebrity interviews with the likes of Donald Trump, Madonna, Imelda Marcos and OJ Simpson became legendary and her programme's unique mix of documentary and hilarious comedy was groundbreaking, the very first of its kind. But while there may have been laughs aplenty on screen, they were telltale signs of her anxiety and lack of self-esteem, stemming from childhood and the difficult relationship she had with her parents. My parents were bizarre, she has said. They told me I was a loser and an idiot. What chance did I have? In her 40s, Ruby suffered severe depression that resulted in her seeking treatment at the Priory, and she disappeared from our screens. But after recovering, she studied for a master's degree in mindful-based cognitive therapy at Oxford University, 
founded Frazzled Cafe, a charity for people overwhelmed by the pressures of modern life, and was awarded an OBE for services to mental health in 2015. She now performs, gives talks, and has written several books on mental well-being, including, and now for the good news, in which she says, the world isn't as bad as we've been bitching about. I've managed to find out where the good news lives, where the green shoots of hope are peeping through the soil of civilization and may just bloom into a brighter future. Now in her 60s, Ruby is married to comedy producer and director Ed Bai, and they have three adult children, Max, Madeline and Marina. She's here today to help us all learn to defrazzle and share what she learned about the human mind and condition throughout her remarkable life. Welcome to Postcards from Midlife, Ruby. Hi, thanks for having me. Uh, well, Happy New Year, first Thank and you. foremost. How is 22 going for you so far? I mean, do you have plans and ambitions for the year ahead or is it no, just I don't do getting through January? Don't do that's, it. No. That's not, I've never done that. I think you're, you're asking for a letdown. Mm-hmm. You know, if you haven't done it last year, you're not doing it this year. <laughs> I mean, you can write down, but I think personality change or, uh, you know, saying this year I'm going to be evolved or happier puts too much pressure on you. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's a spontaneous yeah. thing when that happens. Mm-hmm. And is January generally a good month for you? It's just I'm not, not something you London. worry about. Uh-huh. No, no, I'm not in London. Uh-huh. I worry about it so much that I'm somewhere where there is sun. I don't uh-huh. want people to be upset, but I do see the light out there. So mm-hmm. I will be back next week and then call me again. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Might be different. <laughs> We're going to go back a bit before yeah. we come forward a bit. We didn't really have to explain who Ruby Wax is to Generation X women because you're just kind of so much part of our cultural life. We watched the BBC series of you and it was quite extraordinary for us looking back on all those interviews. I was particularly fascinated by your reaction to you on screen um you were a you were quite critical sometimes of yourself and also it was like you were watching a totally different person how did it feel to watch all of that to see yourself a much younger version of yourself going through that kind of amazing time because none of us have that none of us can really no, do I that no i know it was they allowed me to do my own obituary which is yeah. very rare because usually there's somebody else interpreting you and now yeah i'm interpreting me the, 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 here's your idea of horror they put you in a room for 8 days for 8 hours a day looking at yourself 20 years ago. I mean, I would confess war crimes under those conditions. <laughs> what did you feel about yourself? I've never you watched out? those. I never look at myself back in time. And uh, so your heart breaks at first. I thought nobody told me I was cute. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm going around thinking, oh, God, I'm, you know, I mean, Sharon Stone clearly is more attractive, but I wasn't bad. And I really had this kind of, God, wait till they see me. So, I mean, anybody listening out there, look in the mirror and think I am a beauty because 20 years later, it ain't good. (laughs) Uh, So then when you watch, you see a personality that I don't really identify with because intentionally when I left TV, because I did the heinous crime of turning 50, that's not allowed. Uh, So they sent me away. And a lot of women just go away to die like elephants. But um, I thought this is a time to reinvent. I think because my parents are refugees, I know how to do that. I can move Mm. land really quickly, like load up the suitcases and then start again. So then the whole going to Oxford and, you know, developing another side of my brain or a side of my brain. I don't really I look back and I don't know who that person is. I mean, I think, wow, she's having a good time sometimes. And then I think, God, would I do things differently now? Because I would know how to deal with these men that are kind of killer sharks. I'd know now much more. And I'd read them clearer. You know, I didn't, I walked into Bill Cosby thinking, oh, here's a normal family guy. If you greet your guest, me being the guest on his set with your arm around her neck and dragging her, I think, Ruby, let's make an assessment here. Like, I don't have to get angry because that doesn't look good on TV, but I would just cool my engines down and gradually let him hang himself instead of being this placating kind of smiling idiot that he thought I was and I became. But you do see he's something's wrong with him, but I would have handled it differently. Also, these kind of men like Trump and him make you feel bad after the interview that you got a bad aftertaste. So I would have learned how to deal with that kind of poison. So those were not good. Those were car crashes. But when you see the love affair between Carrie Fisher and I, yeah. you really do oh. see how women bond. Yeah. And 
that's a, that went on for 35 years. So you kind of found your person, hadn't you? Where you could I see that forming on the screen. It was yeah. lovely. And of course, when it was over, off we went together into the moonlight. And so it, it was usually yeah. men that I didn't I didn't get on with. Our listeners are they're in midlife, which we loosely define as anywhere between 40s and 60s. It's interesting, isn't it? Because it is a period maybe where you are taking stock, you're looking back because you're facing a lot of challenges and changes. You were in midlife when you left television mm-hmm. and things were a struggle for you and you had a breakdown. What was that like for you? I didn't have a breakdown because of circumstances. Mm-hmm. I have depression and that's not experience-based. That's a disease. Yeah. So you could be in the sun and you've just won a BAFTA and mm-hmm. still go down. You know, when somebody takes your job, or in my mind, it was a man, and now you have to feed your kids, <laughs> there's a full terror. And you think you've had it at that age, you know, going toward 50, you think you've had it. And I remember thinking, this is as old as you get. And uh, there's a whole shame thing going on, and you think you're, you're hideous. Um, actually, now looking back, nah, and then I'm um, having to reinvent. But once you do, if you can do it, I boy, did it take a lot of work, you know, and it doesn't happen immediately. It's like you're building a house again out of bricks. When I got to the kind of more intelligent level and understanding how a brain works a little bit, the first crashing, of course, at UCL, University College London, it was all 20-year-olds because I was interested in neuroscience. And I I make a joke, but I told them I had that disease where you age really fast. Because a lot of them were Chinese. They didn't know. They weren't in the country. They just looked at me like, what happened to her? So I did say I have something wrong with my skin. And then eventually they got over it and I'd party with them, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and I had the car. So they liked me. The people like Rickman and everybody who I had at the RSC, you know, my early actor friends here, they stayed. But other people in TV kind of fall by the wayside. And I remember somebody really powerful saying to me, oh, now you're going to be a therapist. It was done with such sarcasm. Like Mm -hmm. there was such shame in my heart. Like you lost your fame and now you're going to be a therapist. I was never going to be a therapist. I just needed more information. Mm -hmm. Uh, to do something. I didn't know what it was. So then when I started doing shows about what I learned about Oxford, I said, this ain't therapy. So, you know, as as an older woman, if you get on stage, you can't talk about dates anymore or how fat you think you are. I think your job is then to be really wise, but funny. Did you feel like you were rebuilding your identity? People used to die earlier, you know, in their 30s. So we don't have a map as to what happens next. They became the elders and the grandmothers, but we, you know, through Botox or whatever. (laughs) You know what I mean? My grandmother was like her breasts were down to her knees. She was a grandmother. And you think, how come I don't look like that. <laughs> you're not old. I don't have any pain. But you know that you're not being accepted on TV and people are going, wow. And so there's that gap. It's a void. You're either young or old, aren't you, for women? There's no sort of middle bit. There's no middle bit. We know that women in midlife are often prescribed antidepressants when they go to their GP saying, I, d- I don't know who I am. I don't know how I feel. Yeah, that's I- not depression. I think they should be taken to court. Anxiety and having a bad hair day and you know, you've had a divorce. Those are circumstance yeah. appropriate. Depression is a disease. And if GPs don't get that in their heads, the damage you cause by giving the wrong person antidepressants is off the chart. Yeah, I had depression. I still have depression. I didn't nip it in the bud, but I know when it's coming. And part of the problem with depression is it's so slow, it creeps on you, you know, and, and kind of takes over your brain like a demon. And the next thing you know is you can't move across the room and you think, oh, I'm gone. Whoever I was is gone. You're gone. You're not depressed. You're not sad. It's an unfortunate word. You're just out of town. There's no mind. And it, mm. if you're sad, you're that's you're supposed to be sad. Mm. But depression is something else. It's like saying bipolar. Hey, they're on a holiday. They're not. They're mentally ill. Yeah. Mm. So we can't say, oh, I had a midlife crisis. If you have depression, the seeds are in there way earlier. It's so useful to know because we hear from so many of our listeners that, you know, especially around the time of menopause, et cetera, that they are prescribed antidepressants. So to oh, have a very terrible. clear definition from you is really helpful. And obviously, as you say, it's something ongoing that you live with, that you have Mm. learned to manage to a certain extent? I know I have it. I'm on antidepressants. I've tried to readjust them, but I'm not ashamed Mm because as you get older or you change, that medication needs to change. And if you're lucky, you've got a doctor who knows how to change that chemical. Mm -hmm. But otherwise, if they just throw those generic pills at you, Mm -hmm. that's seriously dangerous. Mm -hmm. I mean, what are they thinking? 
So menopause has nothing to do with depression. Can we talk about um, your mindfulness book, A Mindfulness Guide to Survival? Because one of the things that really grabbed me about the book is I'm quite a rage-filled person. (laughs) You know, in my mid-40s, I was was, was just furious. And Trish, we've talked about something Mm. before, this just kind of inner rage. And what I found really interesting, you explained it really well, was that mindfulness had weaned you off a kind of addiction to rage. Can you tell us about that? Because I think that will really resonate with women who are listening to this this show, this rage, this midlife rage. How do you wean yourself? Yeah, I first wrote a mindfulness guide for the frazzled when I left Oxford because I wanted to find a way that I knew that there was no magic cure for depression, but I wanted to do exactly what I'm saying. I wanted to have a warning like um, an alarm bell, it always hits me without warning. And you go, what? It's like when women have their period, they go, yeah. I don't understand why I'm like this. I want to kill everybody. And you go, but this happened last month. <laughs> <laughs> but your, your mind is your mind. You don't have a spare yeah. one that goes, hey, wake up. You had this before. You just, it's not your fault. How, how can a mind think about what your mind is? Anyway, so I didn't, I wanted to have warning because I don't like suddenly you're out of town. And maybe if you do have warning, you go quickly and say, change my medication. Or what I do now is when I hear the early warning, rather than have a thousand dinner parties, and that's what we do, us, yeah. you know, <laughs> us girls, we show the world we're fine because there's such shame in going down that you suddenly do everything that would make the depression worse. Mm-hmm. I take on new jobs. I make friends with people I've never met. I join committees for Save the Puffin. You know, then you really get weshed by depression. <laughs> You're taken away in a net. So um, I tried different things. I already was a therapist because I wanted to know what shrinks were doing and who was ripping me off. <laughs> I wasn't going to be a therapist. And I was crap when I did my 200 hours that you have to do because I'd be sitting with somebody and I'd think, oh, just cut, get to the punchline. Yeah. <laughs> I was never going to be a great therapist, but I love studying Winnicott and Freud and the big boys. Then I said, what's out there that could helping me lower my stress? I'm sick of paying somebody, repeating my stories over and over again, which I should be charging them because mm-hmm. these are really good one woman shows. <laughs> I hit the end of the ride. They're really good in the beginning, but enough is enough. There's a moment where you got to get off yeah. the bus. And so um, I, I, somebody mentioned mindfulness, never heard of it before. Cognitive therapy, they didn't even teach us in therapy school. It wasn't to wow. be taken seriously, but Oxford was offering it. And by the guy who invented it, one of the men who created mindfulness-based cognitive therapy was would be my professor. I talked to him into teaching me. And then I said, I want to learn what happens in the brain because I don't buy this fluffy stuff. You know, why not Mm. wave some angel wings? It's just not me. That's how I wrote Ab Fab. I take the piss out of it. (laughs) I said, I need to know physically what changes in your brain if you do this, if anything. So he said, then you'd have to get into Oxford, but he was laughing a little bit. And I did. He was Mm -hmm. my teacher and he was surprised um, more than anybody else. And then I really got into it. Everybody else had to do a practical, you know, to show how they teach it. But I wrote a show and all the abjuricators, they came to the show or watched it on film. And that's how I got my master's. And then I took that show and I edited the way I do Ab Fab and made it funny and then took it on the road and called it losing it. And Mm -hmm. then one show led to another. But in the second half, I let the audience speak. And that was there the first time I saw there's therapy they get up and speak and there's such liberation that they have a place they can talk. Mm -hmm. And that's why I run Frazzle Cafes now, because it's the same vibe Mm -hmm. where you say, just tell me the weather conditions in your mind, but don't talk about the news and don't try to fix yourself. Just tell me. With the Frazzle Cafes, what are you hearing from, particularly in the last year or so, from women in midlife? What are they telling you about their mindset? Well, they're reassessing. Everyone's reassessing mm-hmm. from that lockdown. Yeah, I did yeah, Frazzle every night. So I really was with them on the roller coaster ride. And that motivated me to write that interactive book, A Mindfulness Guide for Survival, so that you could write things down about yourself and mm-hmm. give yourself feedback. Because nobody could deal with the realities that we always had, like loneliness uncertainty. Was that not coming? I mean, come on, wake up. This is why we have such breakdowns. Because didn't you know you were going to be this old? You know? I, know, I still think it comes as a surprise. <laughs> I does. am completely shocked that I've got to this age that I'm in my 50s. It's a real, I have no idea what to do. And you'd think you'd have a roadmap and you don't. But that's knowledge. <laughs> you know, <laughs> to say I don't have a roadmap instead of and the tragedy is when you hold on to your looks, you know, yeah. and you see these 50 year olds trying to look 20. 
Okay, you, to not have a roadmap, that's self-knowledge. But okay. to hold on to when you're 20 and hold your face in those positions and, and look at how hideous that looks. <laughs> you know that, like when you try to look like Barbies and they're 50, it's grotesque. So um, the, the book isn't to say, um, oh, you, you should know it's coming because nature protects you. If you knew you were going to die, you wouldn't get out of bed in the morning. Mm -hmm. Nature protects you from this. So of course you don't know what's coming. The whole point of frazzled is there's heartache, there's anxiety, that's life. It's tough. It hurts. But frazzled, the word means, and it is neurobiological, it means stress about stress. So now you're beating yourself up for it. It hurts enough. You know, I don't like getting old. I don't want to know I'm going to die, but I don't want that voice and don't think I've gotten rid of it. It's just, yeah. I know it's a voice. It's a recording going, look at you failed. Look at yourself in the mirror. God, you're behind us. Where is it now? You know, no men are going to like you. I don't, enough people I think are thinking that, but I don't need to give myself hell. And that's where mindfulness comes in. Mm -hmm. If that doesn't work for you, there has to be something that those voices are not who you are. Mm -hmm. It's recordings from when you were three, five, eight, and you need them because it's thoughts or thoughts. But to understand out of five thoughts, four are negative. That's the human condition. Mm -hmm. Let them come in, but let them go out too. These are the oh, Let's these are the talk old demons. About mindfulness, Ruby, because I think it's a term that, that's mentioned yeah. a lot. You, you see it everywhere, and people think we all think we know what it is, but do we? I'd love you to tell us what mindfulness is and mm. how it helps. Well, because I like the science of it, I go from the science thing because, mm -hmm. and other people might say it just makes me feel great. I don't start with the gluten free cushion. If I mean, that's the resistance in the air or have hippie, dippy, it's got that oh. feel about it. So I resist it by thinking yeah. you're going to make me light a candle and do some arming. It's going to make me angrier. Is, totally. Yeah. And you'll be suddenly in a cult. Yeah, I wish they changed the word. You know, there's so many papers now, millions that have been done in research in scanners, what happens in the brain that I, you know, in Oxford weren't teaching witchcraft or um, aura readings. So I thought there must be something to it. <laughs> so it is, it is legit. It's just a terrible word. I mean, you could call it brain training. Mm -hmm. And yeah. Tai Chi is brain training, martial Buddhism. arts is brain training. Yoga actually is once you stop competing with the 17 year old next to you, yeah. you know, to get your feet in a bow over your head. When the brain is really going for you, you know, and the thoughts are coming in fast, it's not a mistake. You know, you're in the fight and flight mode. And your cortisol's pumping. And part of the reason people burn out now is they can't shut it off. Nobody has a way of shutting it off. Right. If you live in the country, probably when it's night and the chickens have gone to bed, but not in a city. We haven't got handbrakes, all right? Nobody does that I know. But whenever you take your focus into your body, it's not going to stay there because we're not blanks. You have to think. Mm -hmm. The thoughts come. They have to right? This is how we survived. Yeah. But you gently take the thoughts, not that you've made a mistake, and pull it back to the sense. The mm -hmm. thoughts come in, you pull it back gently, gently, not like, oh, God, you screwed up again, to the sense. And each time you do that, it's the equivalent of being in a gym and doing a sit-up. So each time you get up off the floor and go down, your stomach muscles, you're eventually going to get a six-pack. This action of amygdala to this other area of sensing is called the insula the amygdala, the insula. Every time you do those actions in your brain, imagine a, a muscle in your insula. It's actually just more and more blood cells, more and more neurons. It gets denser and denser. So eventually, eventually, not the next day, gradually, gradually, just like you notice a six, six pack is coming. And if you stop practicing, it goes away. Is when, the, when somebody's yelling at you or you're in a stressful situation, we're humans. Your whole thing is to um, kick back. But sometimes if you can pull to that sense, because you're used to it, you don't get so um, caught up in the anger or in the rage. You kind of, a bit of you is getting used to observing thoughts going, okay, Ruby, this is your habit. Let it go. Not all the time, but you're going yeah. into, and don't think rage isn't delicious. It's so tempting. It is delicious. <laughs> it's delicious, but tomorrow you're going to have a hangover. If you learn to sit back, the thoughts can come in and out much easier than being caught up in cortisol, stress makes you really believe those thoughts. In the mindfulness book, and I love this bit, you talked about the big six realities, the big emotions that we go through in there, um, the uncertainty, loneliness, change, dissatisfaction, death. Loneliness feels to me like a really specific thing of our time now. I mean, even my older teenagers, and particularly my oldest who's just gone to university, they feel like they're 
lonely that what they've just been through has made them really lonely. absorb this emotion and you know it's mm. really in their in their face how do we deal with that loneliness and Trish we've talked about loneliness mm. haven't we because we we have big jobs we ran big people we were full of cortisol doing it and then in the last yeah. two years we haven't and I, and even though I've been at home surrounded by loads of people I've felt quite lonely sometimes loneliness is a big one because yeah, even when I'm with a lot of people I'm very lonely and actually I feel more lonely when people don't speak my language and I get desperate. I have a FOMO thing. That's why I'm going in a silent retreat starting February 1st for a month because I got to wean myself. It's an addiction. You know, how many people do you need to see before you feel less lonely? If you can't get out of your house because you're disabled, whatever, that's a whole nother story. So let's put them out of the way. And the community, which is the last book, we should be knocking on their door and helping them. That'll make them live a lot longer because to do something nice is better for your health. Forget about them. Not forget about them. (laughs) So the, the, the thing about the loneliness, and boy, am I working on it, is part of mindfulness and what comes up in the book, half of it is training yourself with these tools. Half of it is that those tools give you insight. Now, some people go, I don't want to know how my mind works, but you'll only get out of your own hell if you do. It's like you have to befriend it so that it, yeah. you understand it. So I know if I keep running to certain people, they won't feed me. And I, you know, that's lonely. You start to wean yourself off of that and really choose who warms, you know, your heart. That kind of insight, it doesn't deal with loneliness, but it starts to give you a clue that you can't just whine about it. You actually have the facility to start looking and everybody's is going to be different. The point of why we're so miserable, I think, is I'm not complaining social media is wonderful, but we compare ourselves. And that's also my weakness. How come she's having such a great life and she's lying? That's even more lonely making. It's never good enough. I know I have to go away and be silent. It's so dramatic. Not everybody has to do it. Can we try a little mindfulness exercise with you? I'll take you through it. So, take my glasses off. All right, you're sitting in a Christ, chair. she's taking her glasses off. Right? <laughs> By the way, this isn't about sitting in a chair. Like no. this. You could do this at a bus stop, but just see if you can feel your spine, you know, one, one disc on top of another. So you're kind of balanced, shoulders relaxed. Make sure your neck's not rigid. So you're sort of aware that you're sitting up and you're awake. Eyes open or shut. Look, this is optional. So you're sitting in the chair. And again, you're going to see if you can bring your focus to a physical sense. Because when you do that, the thinking, it doesn't go away. It just gets a little quieter because you can't be feeling and thinking at the same time. So just see if you can sense both feet on the ground. You know what I'm saying? You feel your footprint from the front to the back, side to side. If you can't feel it, just register a blank. But you know, the the floor is solid, so you're just sensing it. And then just let that image go. Just take it away. And now you're rerouting your focus. So just see if you can sense where you're making contact with the chair, which is back of your thighs, your bum, the weight of your body. The chair is there. It's not your imagination. So just feel it. And then let go of that. And just focus on sound, which is another sense. So just let the sound come to you. Whatever's out there. And then as you're listening, it has to happen. You're going to notice you're thinking. Okay, that's what minds do. So when your mind gets snared by those thoughts, remember, that's nothing wrong. It's supposed to happen. The exercise is to notice whatever the thoughts are. People go, oh, I shouldn't think that. It's a thought. Just take it gently, gently, and bring it back to sound. And the thoughts will come again and again. Do the same thing. Notice. Could be a second, could be two seconds, a minute, probably not a minute. You notice the thinking is started, started, started. I hate this, I don't like it, what's the sound? Just gently bring it back, just to pure sound. 
Okay, now let, let go of the sound. And in the same way, you just notice sound. And if this isn't comfortable, don't do it. So you now focus where you're breathing and there will be breath somewhere. But if you don't want to do this, just stick with sound. So you're not doing it intentionally. You're just noticing. Where do you feel your breath? It could be tip of your nose, throat, chest, abdomen. Just stay with that area and notice how the air goes in and out and what it feels like. Could be deep, could be slow, could be warm. What is it? Thoughts will come, come back to the breath. And then just to finish, let's see, just to fo for focus reasons, see if you can count five breaths. And if you get lost, just notice how your thoughts change. Doesn't matter, come back to one. So I'll do five breaths and see where you end up. But don't take charge, watch how your breath changes every second, so. We'll go to five. In out is one. Okay. So you could stop. I like that. Ooh. It's good, isn't it? It's lovely. Makes Ooh, you feel quite it feels like drinking a glass of water, like a really cool oh, glass of water for me. Mm. I run a mindfulness course online. Great. Yeah, okay. Six courses and it's rubywax.net. So mm -hmm. I, I teach the way I was taught at Oxford. I do it <laughs> with a sense of humor. <laughs> but Mark said it's okay. I got approval. I didn't make it up. <laughs> Can we talk about your new book then, uh, Ruby? And now for the good news, To the Future with Love, which is it's sort of filled with facts. Um, I think I want to go and be a teacher in Finland. That feels like, I think that would be such a fabulous reinvention. <laughs> but you've put this together and it really does, you know, the robots, you know, all of that. And there's a fabulous program on the radio the day actually in, about Japanese and, and how... Uh, technology is working with older people. What did you learn from it that surprised you? Well, all of it. Yeah. So as I said, I started before the pandemic. I was sick of listening to the news, which would just stoke my rage and feed yes. it. Yeah. And this is before COVID. Mm -hmm. And of course, look what's happening now. There'll be some re replacement as soon as this dies down. So I got sick of it. So I thought, I'll write this book. Let's get paid for what I'm interested in. I didn't know any of this, but I had an instinct that somebody out there is changing the same old, same old. So areas I know nothing about, like in business, there's a book called Conscious Capitalism. So these big companies like Unilever and Dove are, are taking their wheels and switching it more. And the, the theme seems to be uh, purpose in front of profit. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> I now worked at Patagonia Sportswear Company. The book isn't to tell you go work there, but these some of the ideas you could really bring home you know, you can pick and choose. So it, it Dove, you know, they, 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 cho they chose body dysmorphia because, you know, they do yeah. these um, courses where everybody speaks from the heart. It's a little like frazzled and says what happened in their background. So they connect to it. So obviously the girl who's running it, um, she has her team go into schools and they work with girls with who are suffering from body dysmorphia. That's why the posters of Dove have yeah. every shape under the sun and they really help these girls. That means people glow, you mm -hmm. know, and other companies, I think Ben and Jerry's do refugees and they're all called B Corps. It's a new yeah. organization that gives you a stamp that says this company is one to really buy into. And the, and that's what the future is. Millennials will be able to have an app. They probably do already that says, this guy's full of crap. Yeah. This company is using <laughs> refugees, you know, who are bleeding at their fingers to put my zipper in. They'll be able to tell. 
You yeah. can't whitewash or greenwash much longer. And that's community. It's again, not top down. The boss leaves them alone. Teams know what they're doing. They, that's their specialty. And they report back. So people need pride and they need purpose. Mm-hmm. And these companies are really listening to that. Then community, I want you to find out where people are um, changing the way they live. So you know the neighbors. You don't yeah. have to move out to a farmland. But even in uh, South London, there's a place called Bedzed. It's uh, the Peabody Trust, so it's free. Yeah. And they, they've intentionally built the buildings so that people have a choice. They can either talk to their neighbors. There's a little cobblestone street so they can watch their kids. And in the back, they have gardens. This is mm-hmm. free. Mm-hmm. And they have a community center. It's not, you know, ritzy, where the um, older people can take care of the kids while the mothers go work. There's 10,000 of these. It's called a global eco network. And they f- have a format. It's around the world from favelas to South London to uh, one famous one in Scotland where I've bought a little eco house Mm -hmm. (laughs) because I got so into it. I thought this is, I don't want to live like that all the time, but people are really sweet to each other Mm -hmm. because again, they have kind of a common purpose and all these people gibbering about the whole eco thing. Well, I always say either do something or shut up. Mm -hmm. So at least their emissions are way down. Mm -hmm. They don't have a lot of money, but they know the buildings are made so that the windows capture the heat. Mm -hmm. There's, I, you know, I'm not an expert. There's biomass. They really do recycle, but they're not hippies. They, they work in London. Mm-hmm. It's just that that's their community. And it doesn't have to be that extreme. Mm-hmm. You know, it could be just um, a, a town hall meeting, because mm-hmm. if we don't start working as a community, we're, we're finished. I mean, yeah. that's, that's this really- It sounds like it could be a TV show in the book. Each chapter could be a, you could be doing oh, a new documentary. Yeah, 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 sure. but yeah. I don't hold my breath on doing TV, but I wish somebody would film what I saw. Mm-hmm. And then um, education in London, there are schools that are free Mm -hmm. called Reach 2, and there's a lot of them. Mm -hmm. And these kids come from disadvantaged neighborhoods. And like one little kid, you could see that he was going to grow up to be maybe a criminal. Or And he took me by the hand and he walked me from classroom to classroom to show me what goes on there. By the way, their grades have gone through the ceiling. They were mm-hmm. below sea level because these kids learn how to do exactly what mindfulness does. I mean, it sounds amazing. You must have kind of come out of it thinking, I feel so much better now. <laughs> and then COVID hit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. <laughs> then COVID hit. Oh, oh. But I still, it's like the mindfulness course. I remember, you know what I mean? It lodges yeah. in your brain. And you remember. And if things get too tough, well, I did buy a place in one of those communities. Mm-hmm. P.S. They don't cost a lot. We're not mm-hmm. talking about people always go, oh, well, you have the money. This is for, um, you know, uh, affordable housing. Mm-hmm. The people there don't have money. That's why it's a community in some of these places. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. Well, there's so much more good news to read in your book, which I'm really pleased to say we have a copy to give away to uh, members of our Facebook group. So uh, they can go on there and get their own copy of your fantastic new book. So thank you so much for joining us this morning, Ruby. What a way to start 2022. We feel very, very zen and very inspired by your wonderful words. Thank you. Thank you. you. Thanks for having me. So here we are at our how to win at midlife section of the show. It is a new year. I know we're sort of partway through towards the end of January and it's still, but I still feel we've got all those kind of new start vibes and all that kind of new year, new me pronouncements, which actually Trish and I are not that keen on, are we? Because we're Mm. inclined to believe that there was nothing wrong with the old you. Um, So uh, nothing needs fixing. So we have decided instead of resolutions and all that malarkey, that we're going to give you some practical comforting support to guide you along the beginning of the path of 2022. We're each going to offer up three things that could bring you a little bit of joy and optimism um, to help you handle the lows as well as the highs that are coming. Now, Trish, what have you got for our first how to win at midlife Mm. Uh, my first thing actually does kind of follow on really from a lot of what um ruby was telling us just now but i've been practicing some positive psychology after talking to dr vicky barnes who's a doctor of clinical psychology and the author of a book called free happiness the art and science of positivity i mean free happiness we could all do i want it 
free happiness can I we? want as much as you got <laughs> yeah and again sort of in line with what Ruby's saying she's saying uh, you know obviously if you've got something like depression this this is a, a different yes. scenario but she says we have the power to change the chemistry in our brains um, by doing small steps by brain training in our everyday lives and finding what works for us so in the book there's lots and lots of different strategies but um, the one that I'm doing it's really straightforward we've probably all heard of it before but it's called bookending which is about starting and ending the day well it's not rocket science but it it does work and I have to say I feel like I've had the perkiest January (laughs) I've probably ever had and basically the idea is that you start your day when you wake up you pause and you just think about something lovely um, something that you're looking forward to in the day the fact that you've had a really gorgeous night's sleep Mm. that you're feeling all warm and cozy and if that will start to spike your happy hormones before you've even got up because if you get your brain into that mode it will trigger all the hormones that can say with it chocolate hobnobs Yes, Yes, I'm going to have chocolate for breakfast. Exactly, it's going to be a good day. And then you end the day on three good things. More hobnobs. Three three good things. So like gratitude, a bit like gratitude journaling. So I smiled at a stranger. I got a compliment from a friend. And it's that thing about working Mm. against the sort of natural negativity bias that as humans we have. Those voices that Ruby talked about. Exactly. And that's just sort of a natural uh, thing that we have. And you, you have to train your mind against it and if you keep doing it as again as ruby says every day it will start to change your brain chemistry because apparently our the way we're made up is i think 50 percent is genetic in terms of our happiness how we're going to be 10 percent obviously is contextual circumstantial what's actually going on in your life so vicky says that you've then got 40 percent to play with in terms of happiness so that's that's my first little feel good planet. <laughs> a pea? No, oh, no, it's planet, not, is planet. it? It's tiny. <laughs> tiny. Well, I like that. So, um, yes, tell me about yours. I am, as you know, a big fan of Brené Brown, the mm-hmm. uh, New York Times bestselling author, professor of emotions, I think you could call her. She has a new book out called Atlas of the Heart, Mapping Meaningful Connection and the Language of the Human Experience. It's basically about the kind of 87 million emotions that we have all got mm-hmm. how to deal with them. But in the book, she identifies a new emotion, Trish, which mm-hmm. I think is quite helpful to identify and, and live with it a bit for 2022. So she says tranquility Ooh, is a new okay. emotion. Mm-hmm. So this is not about being content because you, you tend to be content when you've done something or you've achieved something. This is about nothing doing nothing i'm going to read the description she says tranquility may be my new favorite emotion no demands no pressures sign me up or should i say take me away so tranquility is about moving away from everything else that's going on so it's looking for tranquil environments which nature obviously Mm -hmm. places where there are low levels of noise you know all the kind of things that just are calm and I was reading a little bit um of Philippa Perry as well she wrote one of her agony aunts in the paper about that flow state which is a Mm -hmm. total immersion in one thing I get it when I'm swimming you Mm -hmm. can do it for a bit and you just simply don't know you've done it your brain is so tranquil you're in such a flow state and I think that that might be one of the things that I should be doing yes. this year, looking well, for I tranquility and seeing it as an emotion. I felt very tranquil to that little mindfulness. So I'm going to I'm gonna join you in a bit of tranquility. Well, I think like you it. can access it quicker than me, tranquility. Mm-hmm. I think I'm a bit more of that ruby high state. Mm. It's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I really understood her saying that addiction to, because I'm in that high state and I often seek, when I think I'm being a bit more tranquil, I will then set up a load of things that will take me oh, out of that. You know, yeah, I'm like, oh, yeah. I am going to have a dinner party. Oh, I'm going to go and see this and I'm going to do that. Or I'm going to yeah. cycle to, uh, I can, it really made sense to me that I constantly take myself out of a place that could, you know, it's uncomfortable because it's new to yeah. me, tranquil. Yeah. Um, yeah. and relaxing now what else have you got well I'm taking inspiration from my friend Debbie Travis who has a new book called she's Joy she's got a good Instagram Debbie she's Travis. got a really wow. good Instagram is she there? she is just fabulous and, and her book is called Joy Lessons from a Tuscan Villa and she is a woman who is full of joy and now Debbie's originally from the UK used to live in Canada and about 10 years ago she moved to Tuscany to renovate this really old villa and now she runs a retreat actually retreats for 
essentially midlife women and uh, sort of runs her business from there and she's she yeah (laughs) we're off next summer so but she's very much about because she's lived in different places about rooting herself in the culture of these each place that she's called home and really trying to learn and absorb and live in particular ways and so she shares her life lessons of what she's learned on the retreats that she's hosted as well as from just living in Tuscany and starting to you know live in a lot of past (laughs) but it's about again building your community how to eat like a Tuscan drink like an Italian secrets of a long and unhappy life and and my takeaways but I think it's one of these it's food beautiful pictures it's got lots of lovely recipes it's got nutrition advice lovely pictures of happy things and it's got some um, the joy ladder it's an exercise you do where you take a calendar for maybe a week or a month there's a different color for every mood and then you color in the day with the what? colors that you're feeling right and then coloring. you can <laughs> do a bit of mindful coloring and then you color in each day that reflects a different mood and then you can look at it and start to kind of see what patterns are emerging and get to kind of understand your emotions retrospectively but as I say the the kind of recipes should we do do this shall we color in the next month and then review it so where we are let's see where we are see if we can keep that going yep now, but also, have... actually, just to say, sorry, to yes. uh, Debbie is giving us a book also Good. to give away to our it's listeners on Facebook group. Yeah. What about you? Number uh, number two for you. I'm giving away Margot on the Facebook group. <laughs> One <laughs> day it might happen. Maybe we could do a right. Number two for me is a, a book that you would never think I would recommend because I am mm. very competitive, as you know. It's a book called Good Enough, 40-ish Devotionals for a Life of Imperfection. Mm. Um, it's by Professor Kate Bowlers, B-O-W-L-E-R-S. And it's basically about understanding you might not be living your best life now you might just be okay (laughs) you might just have a pretty okay happily mediocre Mm. nothing too massive to report about you might just be not profound but good enough Mm. it's just um her website's really brilliant we will put all of this um on the episode a description of the episode as well all the links she has a podcast called everything happens and she's some really quite big guests on that malcolm gladwell uh matthew mcconaughey um she's a religion academic um she's late 30s but she was diagnosed with terminal cancer three uh i think about three years ago she's got a five-year-old son she's had loads and loads of surgery she actually gives Mm. um, some youtube talks and a a brilliant brilliant ted talk she's had five belly buttons because of all of this surgery she's had but it's really about not having to strive being okay to just be who you are and just sitting with that, that, you know, there's no reason to think about what's next. There's no explanation for bad things. Things don't happen for a reason. Some stuff just is. It's a little bit Buddhist in its um, thinking, but it's also mm-hmm. really funny. And I have to say, you must go onto her website and watch mm. her talk about this book. She's had a couple of bestsellers, uh, New York Times bestsellers before. Just very simple instructions on not getting drawn into all this. And it happens this time of this kind of what she calls this toxic positivity mm-hmm. um, feeling that you're going to be great. You're going to overcome it everybody loves you you could just be okay with not everyone loving mm-hmm. you just been getting to the end of the day and having a nice day it's a really really lovely movement and community she's created so that's professor kate bowler's book good enough mm-hmm. what's your third thought there Trish? well this is movements to the good news movement on instagram are you yes, following I'm them yes. yes um it's it's um it's really great it's about it's all about positive the, the philosophy behind it is positive emotions to drive society forward mm. and it's basically um lots of little video clips reels whatever tiktoks all of that of just really lovely things that happen all around the world and good news movement posts them and um there was one you know a couple from this week um there was the astronaut who was given a gorilla suit by his brother to open on his birthday in space did you see that and mm. then you've got this video of him in a gorilla suit sort of flying around this capsule and playing pranks on the other you know it's just really funny <laughs> And then my favourite one, really, was, oh, my goodness, this Italian soprano singer. She's up on a stage and she's singing in a really important venue, everything. And I think she's doing an encore and she's doing a duet encore, except that the tenor has obviously clocked off for the night and gone off. (laughs) When the tenor part comes in, she's a little bit like, oh, my goodness. And someone in the audience start singing the tenor role and it's a Chinese opera student and her reaction it's just gorgeous and there's a lot of you know saving puppies and floods and just everything good 
good yes, future. It's about kindness, it's about generosity, and it really warms your heart. So that's the good news movement. Um, yes. It's at good news underscore movement on Instagram. And you're in last, that vein, in last that vein, but not least. Though, just because yes. they're the same kind of thing is um, Upworthy. Oh, yes. Is, yeah. Um, also on Instagram. And I, I just like the way it just pops up kind of that kind of good news thing Mm. stuff people are doing that makes them happy or feel healthier or more part of a community there's a brilliant one um last week of a couple in their late 80s who have swum in the sea nearly every day of their lives certainly every day that they've been together and it was filmed by their granddaughter Mm -hmm. and the caption was i just love these two humans and it was just such a lovely thing to see and then and in they go and she looked amazing that lovely lady in her 80s in they Mm. go into the sea front crawl off they go into the distance and i thought that's just looking at these kind of things it's about you know seeing that in the morning curating your feeds as I always mm-hmm. say to my teenagers stop following the stuff that makes you feel uncomfortable mm-hmm. start curating your feed I think that brings you a little bit of joy I hope that was helpful for everyone we would like to know our listeners good mood feelings wouldn't we yes. could you put little ways to find some cheer on our private Facebook group and then we will put them all together and I'll do a little Instagram post we'll have a little list of everything that people can just dip back into over the mm-hmm. year when they need a little bit of support um, or you could email us at hello at postcardsfrommidlife.com It's time for Nostalgia Noodle we're going to step back in time as Cher said if I could turn back time Did you like that Lorraine? Has I that do, inspired your I like noodle? You. I like you to speak French in... <laughs> Whatever it is, French. Let's call it French. <laughs> um, and to sing in, sing uh, in an episode. <laughs> in an episode. Now I'm going to take you. This is cat related, so okay. this I think Good. would explain everything. <laughs> I was frugaling around or whatever you do on the internet the other day, and I saw something that just sparked such an instant memory in me. I mean, it gave me goosebumps. It was mm-hmm. so odd. So in the early 70s, right the way through probably to the mid 80s, there used to be public service announcements yes. on the telly. Mm-hmm. Charlie says... So these were for young mm-hmm. children telling them things like do not go off with strangers, although going off with a stranger or lighting a match seemed to hold the same kind of peril. <laughs> but it was this little boy, badly drawn boy he yes. was, and this really badly drawn, out of proportion, extraordinarily large cat, Ooh, Charlie. worst nightmare. <laughs> and uh, honestly, I found them terrifying as a child. Terrifying as a child. And I think... That's where the cat where version it's come started. From you. Oh, right, and obsession, Charlie. slight obsession. Obsession, yeah. Yes, yeah. Charlie. I will urge anyone oh, to watch dear. some of the Charlie Says adverts. Did it trigger you? Trigger, trigger. That's the word. That's <laughs> the word. That's my Gen Z. Yeah, it, tr- it absolutely triggered me. And it's a ginger cat with these weirdly spooky eyes like them from a horror film. Dreadful. Oh Imagine making children watch that. I was so terrified of the cat. I didn't really take <laughs> I'd have gone off and with the stranger went with and cycled the across the motorway. Yes, <laughs> I'd have exactly. known what to do. Set fire to so the curtains. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, where have you been back well, in time? Well, mine, oh. sing- mine is singing related, but I don't think I will sing because I don't think I could do it justice. But anyway, no. so I was in... <laughs> You'll wonder where is she going with this. What I was doing? driving in the car the other day with Neil. Yes. And Neil said to me, what does it say on the temperature display? What? How cold is it outside? And I said, oh, it's three degrees. And he said... Four tops. Have you heard that, Joe? No. (laughs) Neil. (laughs) You have to be our age to get that. But those two wonderful singing groups. Anyway... You know, when you suddenly, I was like, oh, three degrees. I remember the three degrees. Prince Charles, his favourite group. Oh, that's right. The reason why that was, was apparently uh, they were performing at a a Prince's Trust fundraiser in Eastbourne, of all places. (laughs) The three degrees went to Eastbourne? Yes. And they got him up on stage to dance with him. Anyway, then suddenly, you know, when you start seeing and hearing things everywhere that relate to something, Sheila Ferguson of The Three Degrees was then on the news, on the Day programme, talking about that Prince Charles story. I thought The Three Degrees are everywhere. So then I had to... What does that mean? Well, I think it means... I don't know. It's just quite nice to remember. But I'm going to ask you, I could only remember two of their songs. Can you name any of them? Three Degrees? No. 
I think it's just slightly too far back for me, my sure? musical knowledge. Are you sure. Okay. All right. I won't. My brain's taken up with wham. No, I'm so. not going to see them. Yeah, you yeah. can sing a bit. All right. Go on. When will I see you again? That's enough. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember that? <laughs> and then my favourite one, the year of decision. Yes, no. this is the year. No. <laughs> no. I'm going to start with the, the singing lessons again. It does um, remind me of the uh, the response to the email. You know, when you get an email that says, um, I'm reaching out to you. Oh, reaching. You, yeah. And you have to respond saying, unless you're in the four tops, you can't use that phrase. <laughs> Are you in the four tops? No, well, then you can't use that phrase. <laughs> well, that brings us to the end of this first episode of season five of postcards from midlife new episodes are available to listen to every sunday on your podcast provider and we would really appreciate it if you could make sure to download your episodes because that means that they count on our listener numbers and if you could rate and review us too that would be marvelous i'm very proud of episode one season five <laughs> yes, we've gone through it positive tranquil past everyone's expectations which were probably quite low anyway do tell your friends about us um we want as many women as possible to join our midlife conversation which is what our private facebook group is all about um so if you're not a member do pop over come and join the chat and you can use it to post any feedback on the topics we discuss as well as suggestions for other things that you would like to hear talked about or even the celebrities and experts you'd love to hear interviewed and you can of course email us at hello at postcardsfrommidlife.com or pop a little message on the old Instagram. Goodbye. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.